this time on Holy Ghost Notes. That's kind of terrifying, Matthew. What have you done? I have no pedal. It was an awful, awful experience. I don't get paid enough for that. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) What's up, all you beautiful people? This is Tim Anderson, and I'm getting a call right now, and I'm going to ignore it because this is really important. This is the Holy Ghost Notes podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. We've got a really good one for you today, and uh, I'm excited for you all to hear it. And I'm excited to also introduce my co-host. He's a good friend of mine, Matt Griner. You guys may know him as Matthew Griner, but uh, that's not what anyone really calls him anymore. So, Unless I'm in trouble. Unless, <laughs> Unless I'm in trouble. Unless you're in trouble. Matthew, what have you done? Unless I am in trouble. Good job with that intro. Thank um, you. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the full name the full name thing. I, I don't really hear Matthew a whole lot. It's if I do, if I do, it's in the back of my head thinking about something my mom said mm. to me when I was a kid when I did something wrong. But yeah. it's it's as you get older though, full name I think starts to be endearing. Yeah, you know when you're a kid, it's you're in trouble, and when I'm older, like I I feel like if someone says Matthew, it, it's sort of a I don't know. It's a little more endearing, so I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. You used to call me Timmy. Actually, some of you guys might remember from the earlier episodes, uh, you called me Timmy for the longest time. Not Timothy. Not Timothy, though. Timothy uh-huh. also, I think, like you, I, I would have just reverted back to hearing my mom's voice. Right. Is your full name, full name. Timothy? Full first name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your middle name? Daniel, after my dad. Timothy Daniel. That's a strong name. Yeah. Yeah, son of Ander. Okay, son yeah, mine's Ander. mine's Matthew Wilson. Um, I like that. And I, as a as a kid, I really didn't like my middle name because my friends had cool middle names like Daniel, for example. <laughs> uh, and mine was Wilson, and it was like, where did you get that from? And so eventually, I got I got kind of tired of trying to explain that it was my mom's uncle who was named Willard, but they didn't like the name Willard, so they changed it to Wilson. It was too okay. long of a story. No one would have cared, so I just was like, have you seen the movie Castaway? <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to ask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, I love that movie. I'm like, yeah. And what people didn't figure out, I guess, is that I'm definitely older than the movie Castaway. So for my parents yeah. to name me after a movie that hadn't yet come out, a volleyball, <laughs> it's like, okay. They're prophetic. We'll just go with it, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, <laughs> named after a volleyball. No worries. <laughs> my uh, my dad's first name is the letter L, and his middle really? name is Nevin, but we call him Nevin. Yeah, the letter Isn't that L. Interesting. That is interesting. It's literally the letter L. Um, his dad's name was Lester, so I've always okay. assumed that he, that the letter was named after his dad's first yeah. name almost huh. like like a junior kind of thing yeah but I've, I've never actually confirmed or denied that interesting my wife doesn't even have a middle name really she never had one because her first name is julianne and they kind of were like that's kind of like two names put together so <laughs> why does she <laughs> need a middle a name <laughs> julianne i mean it is it's, yeah, it's legitimately it's two names two names put together yeah so julianne so it's just Julianne. Julianne. One. And then when we got married, she moved her maiden name to her middle name legally. But That's cool. Yeah. So she kept her maiden name kind of in a way. Yeah, that's actually so, really cool. Yeah. That was smart yeah. of her to do that. Yeah, it worked out. Pretty neat. Are names <laughs> hard for you when you're naming your kids? Is that something that you and your wife agree Dude, on easily? This or is, is it, such is a it good a question. It's such a good question. It, it's uh, boys were the hardest thing, which I have two okay. boys. Uh, we had, we've had a girl name since we were dating. Like we're we're just waiting to have a girl because we have a name picked out (laughs) and, uh, we haven't changed in the last, you know, 10 years since we've had this name. It's been unwavering. This is our girl name, but then we had two boys and had to pick two boys names and that was tough. (laughs) I don't think I didn't even land on like, so my, my son who was just born, he's going to be three months next week already, which is crazy. Um, I, I, we actually were going back and forth on middle names. So they called me in the hospital on like day two, like the legal department was like, Hey, what's your son's name? And I was like, I don't actually know yet. Uh, we have a first name picked out. We we landed on that early on, but the middle name I was going back and forth on until like three days into him being born. 
And then eventually Julianne was just like, just pick one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Pressure cooker. So, yeah, Nolan Jude Anderson is what we ended up with. I love that name. uh, That's a great name, dude. And anyone who's asking, like, was that a Beatles choice? 100%. It was Beatles. (laughs) But, yeah. Fun times. That's a great name. I did not think we would start talking about names, but there's a lot of power in names. There are. You know? Yeah, there is, well, there are. There is. There is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's also power in grammar. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Homeschooled. Yeah, homeschooled <laughs> podcast host. <laughs> Talking Today we have a, a great episode coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, this is being filmed in the 11th hour. Um, As always. Episode comes out soon. It's Friday today, and um, it's obviously been busy for everybody, but specifically for, for Tim and I, things just all happened at the same time. And we're yeah. like, we got to get this in. So I was like, can we do this the day before it comes out? And you're like, no, I was like, all right, well that, <laughs> yeah. that, that leaves us Friday. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm teaching from, you know, two to four, I'm going to look at a new tractor for our farm from 10 to 12. <laughs> can we fit it in there? <laughs> and, um, sure enough, that's where we are right now at this very moment. There you go. So in between you go. tractor time and drum lesson time, and that's you're probably right. in between meetings or phone calls. I, I am on my lunch break. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <Pretty much. laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's, that's how yeah, it goes with the podcast. I mean, that's right. Yeah. That's, that's how it goes. And it's, it's fun. It's a nice break. Um, first of all, thank you for listening to this podcast. We're called the Holy Ghost Notes and we've been around for a while. This is episode 52. Mm-hmm. Um, Tim and I Crazy. love drums and love God, and we like to talk about both topics, broadly speaking. I thought um, today would be cool, if it'd be cool with you, Tim, I thought it'd be cool to just start in prayer. Yesterday yeah. was the National Day of Prayer. Uh, when this episode comes out, it's a couple of days past that. But do you mind if we uh, just say a word of prayer? Yeah, let's do it. You want to lead us? Cool. Sure. Cool. And then you can close. Sounds good. Cool. All right. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to get together and um, talk about you and talk about the way that you've designed us. Um, we, we thank you for the grace that you've given us and extended to us. We know we do not deserve it. And mm-hmm. today, as we talk about temptation um, and going through life, knowing that there are things that are traps, that if we put our foot in those traps, we will get hurt. Um, I pray that you will convict us to know that it will hurt so that we will Mm -hmm. not look at a trap and say, I want that thing. It looks good. It looks nice. It looks attractive. But instead, we will look at it and say we were designed for more than that thing that is enticing us. And um, God, thank you so much for this podcast and um, for this microphone that I just hit with my hand. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for this audience, for the support that we have. Uh, we we feel very honored to be a part of it. That's right. And uh, just in echoing everything that Matt just said, God, we just thank you for the privilege and the honor that it is to be hosts of this podcast and to be able to talk to some great people a couple times a month and um, just uh, guide our words today, guide our thoughts, and uh, we just pray that this will be an impact not just to the people listening but to us as well. We just thank you for your love for us and for your never-ending forgiveness when we fall into temptation. And, uh, yeah, bless this episode. In Jesus' name. Cool. Hey, Amen. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Actually, before we get into it, I just want to say real quick that we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash holyghostnotes, um, a lovely group of individuals we like to call the yeah. inner circle behind us, backing us, keeping us going. Um, and if you're interested in being a part of the inner circle, uh, we received a lot of feedback from people essentially just saying that they wanted to support us, they wanted to be involved in the community underneath Holy Ghost Notes, but couldn't commit to the lowest tier or the lower tiers that we had available on Patreon. So, um, with that consistent feedback, we decided to create uh, an additional tier, which is the accent tier, uh, and is only $2 a month and gets you immediate access into our inner circle community and a few other perks as well, like exclusive content and whatnot. So if you're interested, if you've been holding out on um, joining the community and want to get involved, want to support the podcast, 
Um, it's even easier to do it now. So patreon.com slash holyghostnotes. Check out what's underneath the accent tier. And uh, we appreciate it. So, yeah. Absolutely. That was a great idea, Tim. Uh, this is all Tim's idea, by the way. I, <laughs> I had nothing to do with it. But it's it's a great idea. It's, it's such a small amount of money. Uh, and we realize that you know everyone's in a different spot financially after this last year. But every dollar counts towards us continuing to be a podcast that can provide content, mm-hmm. silly content, deep uh, conversational content, and educational, informative content about drumming yeah. uh, and drums and gear and everything else. Um, and I, I believe that as Christians, um, it, it really doesn't come down to how much you're giving, but it just comes down to your heart. That's right. As do most things inside of the Christian faith. So... Last night as I was praying at this event, uh, National Day of Prayer event through YWAM, I, I felt like God was talking to me about my lack of generosity and, and not not so much about like how much money I am or I'm not giving, but just about how I'm positioning myself in a way where I like to be in control of certain things. Mm-hmm. And being generous is, is really saying that you, um, you relinquish control and you surrender control. Yeah. And I never want the support of this podcast to be something that is manipulated or made into something that it's, that, that it's, that it shouldn't be. Um, That's right. If you yeah. give money to our podcast, we will use it. We promise you in a way that furthers the podcast and perpetuates its success so that we can continue giving you a product. That's right. Um, and that said, I do believe as Christians, God honors that generosity. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if for nothing else, you're helping us continue to be a podcast. But in addition to that fact, um, I believe that God honors it no matter how much it is. So I agree. First of all, we appreciate you guys and your generosity. It's it's why we're here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's why we have these amazing, I call them the Joe <laughs> Rogan mics. That's right. The SM7Bs. Yeah. Yes, they're they're awesome. You guys are, are really awesome. Thank you to everyone who has been supporting us thus far. And actually on that note, like, like we don't just put this money towards the podcast. We actually give a percentage each month away to different charities and organizations that we care about. Um, this past month we gave uh, to an organization actually that my mom is a part of um, to help uh, previously trafficked women um, kind of get them back into uh, regular life, <laughs> get them back on their feet, get them housing, get them, uh, you know, education, and which is, is so cool. So every month there's there's something Absolutely. different, um, you know, whether it's uh, helping our, our – uh, veterans or you know <laughs> helping uh research in some medical condition it changes every month but we we this this podcast is bigger than just us it's bigger than us getting in front of uh microphones and talking it's bigger than uh bigger than all of this so um the community yeah. is the community is a huge part of how i see it tangibly <laughs> as bigger than us but um right but really ultimately this this money that's going out to these other charities is is even bigger than that so absolutely um yep. it's pretty cool I love it, and yeah. So basically, two dollars a month at the accent tier. It's a dollar per episode. Um, I hope that we're providing content that's worth a dollar. <laughs> but like Matt said, uh, don't don't give just just because you know uh, it, you know if it means something to you. If if it's something you know, we don't want you to put out uh, money that you're not able to afford or that you're really gonna miss. So um, yeah. But but it's there if you're interested and and the or that you really feel compelled it, so. to give to give elsewhere. I mean, maybe there yeah, are other right. places where you want to give your money. There there are. We feel privileged to be able to have a podcast that you're actually listening to. We know there are a lot of options out there. Yeah, so absolutely. If if for nothing else, thank you. Um, <laughs> feel free to give those two dollars straight to some charity instead. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> you know. But it really is so fulfilling um, to give. Yeah. we've talked about generosity before and about tithing and. Um, it, it really, really is. is. Mm-hmm. I, I can't even think about what life would be like if if I wasn't doing that. It's just so. It really is fulfilling. So yeah, it is. Yeah. So give somewhere, not necessarily to us, just somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's worth it. That's right. Um, but anyway, let's get into it. We've got let's some fun topics today. We're going to talk about um, some embarrassing drum stories, maybe some scary, frightening drum road stories and then uh we're going to talk about temptation which i guess it's about time that we talked about temptation because mm-hmm. we're 52 episodes in so <laughs> that's right you want to you want to start uh embarrassing stories off oh boy 
I'll start with a. I'll I'll start with like a uh, a low grade like two out of ten here. All right, you'll um, ease us into it. I like that. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot going on on tour. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's a here's a memory. <clears throat> the year was 2009. <laughs> Under Oath and Emery and us were on tour, and we had just finished three months of touring with the completion of this Under Oath Emery tour. So we were tired. It was mm-hmm. around Christmas time. We did U.S., Europe, and then U.S. The The last U.S. tour was with Under Oath, and it was obviously tons of fun and successful because it's Under Oath. Um, and it was in 2009, so it was right around... It was after Define the Great Line and Lost in the Sound of Separation, I think, was the, mm-hmm. the record they were touring on. So we ended in Louisiana, House of Blues, New Orleans... And some of the guys in the band flew home. It was one of the first times that <laughs> we were making the decision to fly home from a tour if it didn't end close to home instead of driving in the van and like toughing it out for a couple of days yeah. to get back. This is back before the bus days. Right before the bus days. 09 in 2010, we started on a bus. This would yeah. have been one of the last, <laughs> which is interesting based on what I'm about to tell you. So... um, uh, we we left. I think JB flew home. Brent flew home. Dustin was with me. Jake was with me, and then all of our crew. Mm. There were probably eight of us in the van. And we were pulling our trailer with all of our gear. So we had to get from Louisiana to Pennsylvania. Jake drove night shift that night. We were trying to get through Tennessee and just drive straight back. And I looked at weather, and the weather was like, oh, it looks like there's a nor'easter blowing in, and um, we can beat it. Like, it, it won't be a problem. We just have to keep driving. Yeah. Let's not stop. We're all tired. Let's just get home. Jake was driving night shift, and we looked back in our rearview mirror probably later than we should have because we were probably listening to music and distracted at 2 or 3 in the morning. <laughs> and our trailer, right side trailer wheel bearing was on fire. Oh my gosh. Um, we didn't know it was the wheel band at the time. It just looked like the entire right side of our trailer was on fire. Mm. So Jake pulls over, middle of the night. I think it was raining a little bit. It was it was kind of nasty out. It was definitely not snowing at that point. And we're like, okay, how close are we to somewhere that can fix us? I think it was a weekend. So we had to wait until Monday. And then the shop could get it in, but it was later in the day. Mm. And it was like 90 miles away. So we have a tandem axle trailer, which means two axles. Mm-hmm. We took off the wheel that was compromised, drove on one axle, stressed out, hoping it would hold. And so we got to the shop. All the while, I'm looking at weather like, oh, boy, this is a setback. By the time we got that thing fixed, it was dumping snow. I drove almost the entire way home. I like driving in snow. Um most of the other guys were fine with me driving and I, I was fine with driving. I knew we were in trouble when I was following a snowplow truck and the snowplow truck slid off the road. Oh boy. Yeah. Pushing snow. Just, okay. He's in the middle. Oh my gosh. Middle of the highway. It ended up taking us three days to get back and we really didn't stop driving. We just cruised man. the whole oh, way man. back. So we got back home <laughs> and we got back home and uh at one point i talked to jb and brent and they're like how's the drive you know and i'm like that 160 dollars you spent on a flight was the best money you ever spent <laughs> 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 that Jeez. was not fun we made it but it <sighs> we got home like two days later than we should have which meant christmas was two days sooner which meant all of the busyness and buying presents and like trying to settle back in before christmas was just compounded um that is that is a trip none of us will ever forget well those that were on it jb and brent i'm sure it's it's a distant memory yeah like what what ride home (laughs) yeah Yeah, exactly that a story like that uh i mean i've heard of bands that have like broken up after something like that (laughs) yeah just because of that experience like i'm done touring for the rest of my life kind of answer to yeah, that problem that's enough for me <laughs> i don't yeah, get paid enough yeah. for that <laughs> crazy man no i mean you're right that's that's it and the next tour we did in 2010 would have been lamb of god job for a cowboy mm. between the bird and me in europe so 
maybe if we weren't on tours like that and cl- still climbing and finding success, that would have been like, you know, the nail in the met. coffin. Yeah, that would have been yeah. it for sure. But like, Jeez. you're always looking ahead, right? Oh, this is what's coming up next. This will be mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. And so you just sort of laugh your way through it. And that's, that's all, that's all we could do. It's, it, to go a little bit deeper for a second, that's one of the biggest things I've learned while being in a band is, is how to roll with the punches. Mm. And you and I have talked about that before. I I thought everybody had learned that skill set by the time they were 30, but I, uh, I didn't realize that, um, some people haven't because there would have been no reason for them to. Yeah. So in other words, if you're controlling most of the factors in your life until you're 30 or your parents are, then when something bad happens, you're you're really taken back by it and you don't know how to handle it. You're, you're yeah. crippled with fear and anxiety. But being in a band from age you know 19 until 30, I was touring almost full time, nine months yeah. out of the year. And Crazy. Things, things don't always work out the way you want them to. Yeah. You know, and yeah. wh- you can either laugh about it or mm-hmm. cry about it or <laughs> scream about it, but you, you got to get through it or you're just going to yeah. go home. There's this phrase that's been drilled into me by my mom since I was young, since as long as I can remember. And the phrase is, attitude is a little thing that makes a big difference. Hmm. And I always keep that in the back of my mind because it's it's true. Like situations when they're uh, handled a certain way can make all the difference. You know, like your response to that was, we laughed it off. Yeah. You know, but to some people, as we said, that could have been the end of the road. Quite literally. (laughs) Quite literally. (laughs) (laughs) All right, take it away, Tim. Anyway, uh, if that was a two, I'm I'm in trouble. (laughs) Because none of mine are anywhere close to that. But um, (laughs) I took this I took this a little bit more literally and actually like picked like actual drum (laughs) moments. Um, I see. But but it's okay. Um, Yeah, I like that we don't talk a whole lot about what we're going to talk about because it's it. (laughs) It's telling to see like, yeah, you're coming from a completely different area. So that's here. Yeah, but it's all good. There's stories nonetheless. So um, I joined this band in, I want to say 2013. And, um, you know, there was a little bit of a rush to learn a bunch of songs because they already had shows scheduled. Okay, sure. And so I learned, I learned their set and um, I think it was either the first show, it might have been the second show. Um, we were playing this outdoor festival, and the stage was made of cement. So, the, you know, forget, like, wood panels that they set up. You know, this is, like, built into the ground <laughs> at yeah. this massive park <laughs> that we're playing at. And um, so the stage was made of cement, um, which basically meant there was no traction for the kick spurs. Hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> I know like, where this is going. Yeah, first first song into the set, um I'm realizing it's it's really hard to play these songs. And I wasn't <laughs> extremely used to playing these songs cuz I'd only practiced with this band like maybe a month leading up to these shows. And um second second song in, I'm realizing that I am stretching to reach my kick pedal. <laughs> sure enough, my my kick drum with every single beat <laughs> is slide inching away from the rest mm-hmm. of my kit <laughs> little little literally by little. inching away thankfully i have a virgin kick drum so all of my toms are mounted elsewhere it's literally just my kick that's sliding out actually it might have <laughs> helped if i didn't have a virgin kick drum it might have had more weight to it but <laughs> yeah. um my kick is sliding out and so i start to panic and i mean like the show must go on you know i'm manning the click track and everything <laughs> on the side here. Um, so, like, we have a set list, and it just kind of keeps going. Um, if I stop <laughs> something, the backing tracks are off, you know, everything goes haywire. Yeah. Um, so I just keep playing, and I'm basically signaling to our roadie on the side of the stage, trying to explain to him what's happening. Uh, this poor guy, like, two songs into the set, realizes what's going on um, as he's seeing me, like, grab my kick with every free moment where I don't need my right hand to play. <laughs> pulling it back. He sees what's going on. He comes out. Um, I think he, like, tells... So we had two guys, I think, that were working with us at the time. So he tells the other guy, like, what's happening. He runs out and literally sits in front of my kick drum <laughs> just to keep it there. So this is sh- major shout-out to Paul, if you're listening. Oh, I don't my. think you are. But shout-out to Paul sitting in front of my kick drum 
probably for two songs until the other guy, the other roadie that was with us came out with a cinder block <laughs> to put in front of the kick. Um, so this was like, you know, I, I, I'm sure some people noticed what was going on, but like ultimately no one probably really understood what was happening uh except for me uh maybe yeah. a couple of the members of my band <laughs> but yeah <laughs> and the roadies of course but um uh, yeah needless to say right after that show i ran out and got like the best drum rug you could possibly buy right <laughs> <laughs> and um because up until that point i hadn't really needed um like a rug like most of the venues yeah. that we played at you know, I was playing on a, a riser or some kind of uh, carpeted or wood-based mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. area, and didn't really need my um, didn't need my rug. And I I had my setup to a T, so like I didn't have like some people like will tape their rugs and get their you know yeah. uh, their kit together. I was still at the point where I'm setting up my kit myself every single time and know exactly mm-hmm. how it's supposed to be set up. So um, yeah, no drum rug. But after that. <laughs> I brought Definitely. a rug to every single show. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's my little embarrassing or scary. Man, drum any story. drummer has had an experience like that though. Mm-hmm. Kick drum slides oh, yeah. away. You're playing like Tommy Lee with your your feet almost fully extended. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Or like your slave pedal. For me, mm-hmm. it's my slave yeah. pedal that slides away for double bass. Mm-hmm. And I'll be in the studio tracking on like an Oriental rug, and my my slave pedal starts sliding. I'm like, hold up, uh, yeah, gotta redo this whole thing. <laughs> Otherwise, we're just gonna be stopping every 20 seconds because yeah. your left foot's fully extended and your right foot's just <laughs> a 90 degree turn down. Yeah, it's it's insane. I've I've had that happen a couple times. I switched out, yeah. I, so I wasn't playing with a slave at that point. I don't think so. It didn't really matter, but. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've definitely had that happen. I actually, so I, I now have, um, Velcro at the bottom of the pedals and yep. it really like, it's tough to get the pedals off the rug. Like yeah. I have to really yank them off to get them off in the first place. So that kind yep. of alleviated it, that. It's like industrial me, strength. But, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I have a similar story in that it has to do with kick drum and pedals. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first started playing, do you do you know how in the beginning when you're playing shows, typically you're not playing with a PA system that is qualified to yeah. amplify oh, yeah. your kick drum? Like either you have a mic mm-hmm. in there and it's not doing a whole lot or you have no mic at all. It's just yeah. like a PA mic for your band. So that's, that's what we played with in the beginning as a band. We would play these VFW halls and sk- yeah. skating rinks and churches and outdoor pool decks and wherever and and (laughs) kick drum being such an important instrument part of the drum set in metal it was so frustrating um i i guess frustrated i i wasn't frustrated that you can't hear the kick drum at a show i was just determined that's what it is to make sure mine was heard Mm mm-hmm so like if I would hear the opening band playing and I wouldn't hear a kick drum at all, I would know mentally like, okay, when I play, um, you're going to hear my kick and it's going to make this song and it's going to make my band sound pro. Like we're going to sound yeah. like we have this, this extra level, even though people might not even understand that's the kick drum making that sound. Most yeah. people not being drummers have no idea what's making which sound on a drum set. Right. Yep. But when it's put together collectively, they're like, oh yeah, that sounds better than this other thing. So sure. No so knowing that and also knowing um a little bit of insider info through a buddy named Joe Walmer, who I learned most of what I still play today from. Um, no one really knows who he is. He lived in Anvil. I haven't talked to him in years. About thirty minutes from me, I would drive to his band practice every Sunday, uh, or every Sunday that I could, and I'd watch his band play, Blind Influence. Mm. Um, he was a metal drummer, death metal drummer, and just very, very skilled. And, and, and he would put these, um, circular metal plates on his kick drum head and they were, they were CNC'd or they were just cut out to be like, I don't know, maybe like one inch round Mm -hmm. so that when the beater struck it on the head, it would create this sort of click sound. Yeah. Yeah. This was not a thing in drumming when I first found out about it. And then eventually over the years, while still still using it, I started to see products for sale. 
that were like click pads. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would walk yeah. by and be like, oh, geez, like, you don't want that one. You want these. You know, and I'd pull out my my plastic bag of like of metal circles that my friend Joe would give me. He would have them made yeah. just for this purpose. Tim, I remember going to hardware stores, specific ones that I knew sold specific double-sided carpet tape. Because <laughs> if you got the wrong double-sided carpet tape, it meant an awful show experience. Yeah. And this is what happened to me. So I bought some. I was I was I needed tape. I was on tour. I couldn't find the real sticky brand that I really liked. And so I just picked whatever up that I could and I I would spend time before the show with my scissors. I had it all in my stick bag and I would cut out the circle and cut out the tape and I would um, take off the backside of the tape and put it on the kick drum head. Okay, we're good to go. Yeah, good to play the show. Plastic side of the beater against the metal click pad. And, you know, when you hit this thing, it just sounded awesome. Like you didn't even need a PA system. Yeah. It sounded so uh, loud and, and, and defined, had so much attack. And when you put a mic on it, it sounded like a trigger. Mm -hmm. So I put this stuff on and I started playing the show and lo and behold, (laughs) (laughs) the one fell off, but the tape stuck. So very next hit after the click is gone, my beater is permanently (laughs) attached to the kick drum head. I'm just like, I have no pedal. Like, and I, I think the only one I had was my left one. So it was yeah. like, it was like, like every upbeat, you know? <laughs> so then I'm like trying to play downbeats with my left and they're all looking at me like, what is wrong with you, dude? We went from like awesome trigger sound to this dude can't play drums anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah, when you, when you would kick that kick drum, it would just, yeah. I can still hear it. Even just kicking this, I can imagine that that click of that metal circle on the head. Yeah. And the panic that ensues when you're the one responsible for this oh, error. In the middle of a show, the momentum's going, people are watching, your yeah. band is counting on you, and that happens. And it's not even really your fault. And you know no. that in the back of your head, but it's still like, what do I do? It just... it. You, we remember these moments because oh, of yeah. that. <laughs> because it's like <laughs> there's so much anxiety <laughs> and stress that you're getting hit with in the moment. Oh, enough to go bald, is. which is probably what? why <laughs> <laughs> I've gone, gone bald. <laughs> that, that might have been a contributor. Yeah. How how am I doing? I'm doing it, okay. You're doing all right. You're doing yeah, all right. I'm, you're I'm you're not even gray yet. Was, no. I'd be are naming you, the grays. Are you gray? gray? Hairs. Uh, this was. I'm not. I'm, I'm still. I'm still yeah. okay on the color. There's not just <laughs> nothing there. Right. <laughs> so it doesn't oh, really man. matter. You wouldn't even know if I was gray. No gray uh, in your beard, though. There's uh, there's some coming through. I'm naming okay. those after my kids, though. That's not. Uh, those yeah. aren't drum moments. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's funny though. You your uh, so that metallic sound. I asked somebody actually once, uh, a friend of mine who's a, a producer, and I was like, how do you get the drums to sound, like the kick drum to sound so metallic? It almost sounds like a, like a machine gun or something. And he's like, you know what, man? I actually took like a movie effect sound of a gun <laughs> and put it into the sample. No way. <laughs> so he, he was actually, you're actually hearing like a gunshot every time the kick Oh my hits. gosh. And it was powerful, man. It was like... Yeah, yeah, it's like metallic and it was thick and yeah, yeah. crazy. That's kind of just, terrifying in a music in. venue. It's like, all right, line check. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a gunshot you know, goes off. You're yeah, looking around seriously. like, okay, are we safe here? <laughs> yeah, it was like <laughs> one of those quick decay, like literally machine gun, like you know, and it yeah. sounds like a machine gun when you're playing the kick. It's insane, but yeah, <laughs> not not anything I would advise someone to do, but it was an interesting. Uh, <laughs> An interesting philosophy, but yeah, um, I guess I'll just stick with the with the kick stories because these are fun. Um, <laughs> I was playing this festival at the shore, um, and a lot of you can probably relate to this. I, I had to use a, a headliners kit. We were direct support, and uh, for whatever reason, I don't know if their sound check just went really long, but we we didn't have enough time 
to change everything out. Like I knew ahead of time I'd be using his his kit, but I thought I'd have time to change out the pedals and the cymbals. Um, so I think I had time to change out the cymbals, but didn't even have time to adjust the stands or anything. So it's just like I'm just I'm just going with it. I got my sticks and I got my cymbals and that's it. Um, similar to actually the question that you asked last episode. Um, didn't have a chance to to switch out my kick pedal. There just wasn't enough time. We were about to start playing. Um, and so I got on the kit um, and start playing, and pain just starts shooting through my foot. Hmm. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? I've come to realize that like this pedal's tension is so high <laughs> that every time I kick, it swings back and nails me right in the middle of the foot. <laughs> and this was like one of those double-sided uh, kick pedals. So, like, you have the sharp, like, point at one end, <laughs> and then, like, the, the flat. So, the flat oh was, was what was hitting the, <laughs> hitting the, the kick drum, this and this pointy, this pointy piece is coming back and just pegging me in the foot every single <laughs> every time I use the kick pedal. And I, I, I'll tell you, man, after, like, two songs of this, I couldn't feel my foot. Like, my foot was just <laughs> stunned. I had no control over it. There was nothing I could do. Uh, and I just... I, like, I, I rode through the set. There was nothing I could do. I wasn't going to say, hold up, hold up, guys. We got to switch these pedals out. It was just like, it is what it is. Like, But a- after a while, like I had no control over my foot, powered through the set. It was a, it was an awful, awful experience. Wait, like um, you had no control, like you couldn't control when to hit it or you just Well, like I had my it. leg control, but my foot was gone. Like, you know, uh, there's... There's some heel toe action that has to happen regardless of what you're playing, right? And I just like my foot was stunned. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't feel my toes. Um, there was a bru- like I got after the set. There was a bruise. I'm pretty sure I walked around the the boardwalk without without a shoe the rest of the day because it was I was in so much pain. Um, it was literally just this little. <laughs> peg just hitting me in the same same exact spot. I think at one point I actually moved my foot over like, oh, you know, moved my. it um, sideways so that it would at least hit a different spot. <laughs> and I was like trying to like, how do I play this without getting hit? Like it was like maneuvering, trying to like oh, didn't get me that time. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> but my goodness, was that a horrible, horrible experience. Oh my um, gosh. And uh Yeah. Yeah, I had a massive bruise, struggled through that set. We'll never uh, forget that moment. <laughs> never play again. Did you ever hear about Adam Gray's experience with the drum throne? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Adam Gray was in Europe playing a kit that he should have complained about or gotten changed out, but he didn't. He just kept playing it because it's Adam. Yeah. And yeah. apparently it was just a trash can kit. He stood up at one point to like, commend the crowd or do something and while he stood up he did not realize that he knocked the round throne <laughs> off of the pedestal <laughs> and he sat down no oh so mm-hmm. oh no mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes he did yes he did uh, i don't know i thought I, he just knocked the 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 thrown over like that's not as bad if you fall down it's a little embarrassing but he actually sat back down on the i i do i do not know how far <laughs> i i don't know how far I, I don't know how far, but I but I think from from what I remember, I think he might have fallen off the drum riser after the incident. Oh my god! <laughs> so anyone listening, I know a lot of you guys are Texas fans. Uh, so if you have a video, if you were at this show, please please send this to me because I want to see it. Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh man, yeah, we should talk to him about that sometime. That 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 stands out to me. I like the whole I'm getting hurt while I'm playing thing is, is so funny to me because I know what it's. I I just have memories of like something painful happening, and there's just nothing oh, yeah. you can do. There's just nothing yeah. you can do, and it it doesn't hurt uh, to the extent during the show that it will afterwards. And so yeah. you're just like, oh, I, I got this. I can handle this. And then after the show, you're like, adrenaline is a lifesaver, man. Yeah. I literally broke my ankle before the show and played that entire show and didn't, uh, didn't feel all that bad. But afterwards yeah. I'm just dragging my foot behind me. Yeah. Dude, it's not even drumming. Like I have like burst open fingers while playing guitar oh, live yeah. 
and it's mm -hmm. just like you know oh there's definitely blood all over the stage and all over my guitar but like I'm gonna finish the set and I'll deal with it later and then I realized like oh this is like a massive gash in my finger and <laughs> I sh you know <laughs> it's it's crazy like what what you're able to go through when you're in the moment which is why I think a lot of people have um, trouble stepping away from touring and playing shows for sure. because it's there's for nothing sure. like it's, it man there's it's such a high like it. it is such yeah. a high the amount of times I've slammed my my leg with a stick or like you know pretty much probably broke my finger with a stick mm -hmm. um, or you know almost took my eye out with a stick like you would think like after those experiences someone might be like well maybe you shouldn't like play anymore yeah, <laughs> yeah. but uh but it's just worth it you know you deal with the pain and yeah that's funny Crazy. thanks for sharing that that's uh let's jump into te uh into temptation now that we've dealt with pain <laughs> that's yeah that's the way to put it pain and temptation that's pain funny. topic is over uh <laughs> now let's talk temptation <laughs> let's talk temptation yeah so it is funny that we haven't really uh we haven't talked about temptation before. Um, it is because it really is in Christianity. It's such a uh, it's a word that's brought up all the time. Like I don't even know how many verses talk about temptation in the Bible, but there's there's a lot. Um, but I actually I I was thinking about this. I've actually been thinking about this since the Adam Gray episode at the very beginning of the year, where we talked about the Screw Tape letters, because um, you know the. Satan, the devil, is is talked of as the tempter, um, you know, and oftentimes, at least what I believe is that he uses, you know, his demons or his mm -hmm. minions to 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 uh, carry that out. And so, the Screw Tape Letters, even though it's a fictional book, I feel like held a lot of truths um, that just are, you know, it kind of opens your eyes to how the devil can tempt you. And there's this, there's this idea that Christians have, um, you know, it, it talks about how God will never give you more than you can handle. Mm -hmm. And that verse that everyone references is actually directly about temptation. Mm -hmm. The verse specifically, and let me see if I can pull it up, but the verse specifically says he'll never tempt, you know, he'll never let you be tempted beyond your ability. Mm -hmm. um, it's uh, on it's First Corinthians ten thirteen. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may able that you may be able to endure it. So, like, <laughs> what that tells me right off the bat is like, we're going to be tempted. It's just a thing. God allows it but he won't allow us to be tempted beyond what we can handle, which means we always have a choice. Hmm. So when we fall into, temp into temptation, granted there are, there are factors pushing us towards that choice, <laughs> you know, but ultimately it's never going to be beyond what we can handle, meaning we can always say no. Yeah. Um, now, I, I want to be careful not to you know temptation is a, is a broad topic and i want to be careful that i i'm not throwing temptation out there like addiction um cuz addiction regardless of <laughs> you know what addiction addiction is uh, is a is a disease i think um and it's often a characteristic that um it, it's it's more so than just you know saying no or making a choice once mm -hmm. Once you're addicted, it's you know you need more than mm -hmm. <laughs> you need more help, um, yeah. and there are biblical principles and and um, you know steps you can take to overcome addiction as well. But it's um, but I, I want to focus primarily on temptation because uh, even though I don't necessarily feel like I'm qualified to talk about it, <laughs> I, I am someone who falls into temptation, who is tempted, and often falls into that temptation and. Uh, doesn't overcome temptation on a mm -hmm. daily basis, I think. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm qualified in that regard as someone mm -hmm. who struggles with it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> right? That's right. And um, that makes us all qualified. Let me right. let me ask you a question. Um, do you think that people need to or do not need to be told that they're sinners? 
Well, I think we all inherently know when we're doing something wrong, right? Um, so uh, anyone telling someone that they're a sinner is pretty much just putting a label to the thing that you already know. You're just, it's either a reminder <laughs> or, you know, and if, if you don't think that you're sinning, you're, you're just ignorant, mm-hmm. you know, because it's just literally uh, what we do mm-hmm. as humans, as people, uh, you know. So, so First uh, Peter 5, 8 says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We read this a couple of weeks ago in Connect Group with my church. And we were talking about the word sober in the context of be alert and of sober mind. Um, as it relates to temptation, if it is true that everyone knows they're sinning and that they are a sinner and they are sinful, then it, it really, for me, goes back to the concept that C.S. Lewis laid out very nicely when he said, you know... Um, he basically echoed what we find in the Bible, which is I know what I ought to do and I don't do it. Mm-hmm. I have a standard for myself that I want to meet and I can't meet it. Can you imagine the standard God has for us? There's, there's certainly no way that we can meet that standard. Um, and so I think what happens at times when it comes to temptation is we look at that, the fact that we're not meeting the, a standard, God's standard, certainly not, but not even our own and we become apathetic. And so when there's something that's attractive in our lives that we're tempted to pursue or engage in, there's there's not a lot of strength to fight back against it because we're sort of apathetic about our own ability in the first place. Yeah. Um we're we're, we're really not all that proud of how we're doing in our our morality and how good of a person we are. We know that that we make mistakes. We know that we're not living up. And so when something fun or something attractive or something uh, is, is tempting us, we look at it and go, well, justification, ju- you know, justification, justification. I'm going <laughs> to pursue this thing. It's not really going to change things. It's not like I'm, I'm squeaky clean, A plus scorecard, and this is going to bump me down to a B. I know I'm already a failing grade. And so mm-hmm. I think... When it comes to temptation, it's more than just this idea of how do you become strong enough to fight it, to fight sin. Obviously, we're unsuccessful in that. Uh, If we were successful in doing that on our own strength, then there would have been no need for Jesus' sacrifice. Um, But there's still a calling that's on Christians, that's on us, to be alert and of sober mind to view the devil as a roaring lion looking for someone to literally devour. Mm-hmm. The Bible's full of, of, of verses, you know, telling us to submit to God, you know, resist the devil, he'll flee from us. Um, you know, blessed is the man who, who, who resists temptation, who flees from evil. Like, we're, we're, we're commanded and, and petitioned to do this thing, even though... We are still sinners at the end of the day. It does not change the fact of our morality. But it's still something that is important for us to do as Christians. And so right. I, I think in my own life, as I look at when I'm tempted and when I'm successful in fighting temptation and actually viewing Satan as a roaring lion, which isn't often, actually. I should probably like <laughs> hang that up somewhere in my house because that's, that's a pretty strong, that's strong imagery. It's effective. Um when I'm successful or unsuccessful, I think something that underneath of everything helps me is to know that it does matter, actually. Everything matters. If I do something sinful, if I fall to temptation, it hurts me, and it hurts mm-hmm. the people around me, and it hurts the heart of God. that will move me to change. And when I view that thing that tempts me as a trap, that if I put my foot in, it will hurt. Like we talked about, mm-hmm. like I, I, I sort of had that on my heart as I was praying. 
if you view it as it, that will hurt you, it, it might feel good. It might look good. It might seem like, um, an escape in the moment. And it will be actually, it could be, and it will be mm-hmm. in the end. It will hurt you. And like a good father or a good mother, uh, a, a child is protected from things that they think are okay, but a parent knows better in the same way. The Bible outlines things in our lives that we are going to be tempted by and we will fall for. And mm-hmm. it, it just implores that we view it as this roaring lion. Like, just just trust. I feel like God's saying, just trust me. Like, trust me, I know better. I know better. Mm-hmm. And I know this, this takes work and I know this is hard and you know you're going to fail. And actually, I know that too before you even do. Uh, but when you do guess what? You're going to have more opportunities to succeed. And when you do, you will glorify me in doing so. And you'll love other people well, and you'll love yourself well. And you'll view it as a win, not because you're all of a sudden a moral person. Look at me, look at what I've done. But like, no, 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 no. I love God and God loves this thing. And so I'm going to love it too. Mm-hmm. And every great husband or great wife has probably in the last day thought to themselves, I really don't understand this about my spouse. I really don't, I don't like this thing or I don't agree with it to the extent that he or she does. But because I love them, I'm going to love it. And if, if that's your heart towards your spouse, towards the one that you love, you're going to... Um, you're going to have a relationship that is is rewarded with friendship and mm-hmm. love in return. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I love uh, the the usage of trap, <laughs> like to yeah. to basically instead of saying temptation, say trap. Because another thing about the devil is that he is cunning. He's he's known as the deceiver as well as the tempter, True. right? So he comes up with these fascinating ways to get us, you know, when we least expect it. And the thing about being deceived, as I've said before, is that you don't know you're deceived. Uh, True. <laughs> that's, the, that's the part of deceit. Um, so this might be um, something you you all have heard before. I, I feel like it's a common uh, way to... to uh, merge these two things, but do you know, Matt? Do you know how um, how monkeys get trapped? How people catch monkeys? How's that? Have you ever heard about this? Mm-mm. Okay, so so this is this is crazy. Um, the way that people trap monkeys is they put, uh, I think it's a walnut, some kind of nut or fruit, in a jar, a heavy glass jar, and the opening of the jar is just big enough for the monkey to fit uh-huh. its hand in. He grabs the fruit or the nut, or whatever it is, but he can't get his hand back out. Monkeys inherently <laughs> will not give up that that nut or that fruit. And so the trappers know that. All they have to do is put a jar out there with this, with this nut in there, and this monkey is not going to be able to run away wow. because he's going to be dragging this massive glass jar. And that's how they catch monkeys. This is literally <laughs> the way that <laughs> oh monkeys gosh. are caught. And and it it's so funny because it's I feel like it's so relevant. Yeah. Like if that jar is temptation, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you and you go for that that thing, um, what what's the solution, right? So the solution for this monkey, and it's not easy for him because it's in his nature to hold on to that thing. But the Just but the solution it, is to let go. Just, Just let, let go. go. Yeah. So. I feel like that's also the solution here. <laughs> like, <laughs> like oftentimes for me, I get tempted. I get tempted by the same things yeah. over and over and over again, and I fall into that temptation. Sometimes I overcome it, and it feels like a victory. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I'm still getting tempted by that thing, and I'm falling into it. And the best thing I can do for myself in this situation is just to let go. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't just mean like let go, as in like stop thinking about it. You know, always avoid temptation but it means to let go of my my feelings behind it like when i give in and i do it and i feel defeated i need to let go of that too mm-hmm. i need to let go of that feeling of that's defeat right. i need to let go of uh whatever it is that's making me feel like i don't have the power in myself yeah to overcome this temptation we always as christians for whatever reason ask god for strength yeah 
Like that, that's like literally like a constant prayer. I hear it all the time. And I, I'm, I'm, I pray it too. I still to this day pray it sometimes without thinking because yeah. it's so natural for me to say, God, give me strength. <laughs> right. God gave us the strength. Yeah. Like we have the strength. The strength is in him. We have it. He literally says, I will not allow you to be tempted more than you can bear. You have the strength that's right. to, to overcome this temptation. It's literally just a matter of letting go. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so as I'm thinking That's about all of this, I'm just, I'm like thinking God, God's not given us anything more. Like he's given us the strength. He's given us the ability. Uh, how does, how does it put in this verse? He says, uh, yeah, you will, he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. We have the ability. We just have to let go. C.S. Lewis we, talks uh, about yeah. this with, um, I like the way you're putting it with letting go. It's, it's uh, part of the reason I like it is because it seems counterintuitive. It's like, mm-hmm. wait, aren't we supposed to fight and muster up the strength and white knuckle it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's like, hold on. C.S. Lewis talks about it this way. He says, um, in order to fight against sin, in order to win the battle against temptation, something to the effect of fall more in love with God. The th- mm. Your love for God has to be deeper than your love of these other things. And when you love God more than these other things, the other things won't look all that lovely. That's right. That's a massive paraphrase of what of what he talks about, but it's it's the concept, right? It's like mm-hmm. actually stop fighting against the thing and start falling in love with something else. Yeah. And when I say that, I I know it's true for me. Like it, that makes sense. And when you talk about letting go, like you see this just sil- it's a silly idea. Like just drop it, man. Like it's really <laughs> simple. Like your hand went in, it can come back out, but it cannot right, come yeah. back out with that thing in your hand. Yeah. And you'll live. And, uh, and that's all it takes, but it, we, we hold on and we hang on and we think yeah. we can control it and make a life for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's a burden. And that's a burden. Yeah. That's where the burden idea comes in. You're hanging on, carrying all this stuff. That's why it's like, you know, Lay it down at the cross. That's where that phrase came. You know, yeah. you're carrying this stuff around. And ultimately, I think it's just giving into temptation over and over and over again and carrying that burden, carrying your defeat, carrying your sin, carrying these ideas that you are not worthy and that, well, that's true, actually. None of us are worthy. But carrying all these <laughs> ideals around that actually hinder us from entering into his grace mm-hmm. and his mercy and his love, which is all there. Like, imagine, imagine getting to know somebody without fear that you'll get to know them so well that you'll actually dislike them, Mm. (laughs) right? Like, I know the more I get to know you, the more I'll find traits that I like, but in addition to that, I'll find traits that I don't. Mm -hmm. The more time I spend with you, the more I'm going to both like you and dislike you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And that's just how it is with humanity. I just -hmm. just know that. I've come to expect that with every relationship. The more I get to know that person there's a good chance that I'll like them more, but I'll also dislike them more. Mm-hmm. That's not the case with God, which is the beauty. That, that's the beauty of it. The more I get to know God, the more I'm, I'm realizing about myself, the more I'm realizing like I'm made in his image. I'm seeing perfection. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing love. I'm seeing grace. I'm seeing mercy. And the more, the more I get to know him, the more prone I am to let go mm-hmm. because I don't want this thing anymore. I want this. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's, I'm saying this like I, like I have experience with this or like I've, you know, <laughs> conquered this, yeah. this, this feat. This is, this is, this is like the meaning of life to get to know God, yeah. to experience heaven on earth. That's right. To embrace this mercy and his grace and to understand love in a way that no one else can. Like, the, the, love is, God is love. <laughs> if you don't know God, you don't know love. It's just an interpretation of that love. It's it's a uh, it's you know fake. I want to speak so, to those yeah. listening who um, might feel a certain way about all of this. Um, last night I was at a prayer meeting at uh, an organization called YWAM, and the teaching pastor for my connect group for my church, his name is Jim Ehrman. He spoke about the authority we have as Christians, um, God being the king, like the executive branch of government, and how oftentimes in church today in the Westernized world. We have 
mostly everyone in my friend group would acknowledge this um, at large, that, that we have a watered-down Christianity that really only gives us this idea of sin mitigation or dealing with mm-hmm. our sin, but it doesn't go beyond that. And right. this, this, this message was about that thing that we stop there, we get stuck, and we should be upset about that. We should not be thrilled about that. We should not be thrilled about the prosperity message and the sin mitigation message and feeling comfortable in church message. We should feel alarmed by it, knowing that Christianity Mm -hmm. offers us so much, and we are looking at just the smallest sliver of it. And so I want to speak Mm -hmm. to something that was said last night by someone that was praying um, I've heard it. I, I heard this line once before from a friend, Tal Zentmeyer, who did spoken word and uh, music years ago. I don't know if he's still doing it. Um, Tal, if you're listening to this, last night made me think about you. Someone was praying and they prayed this. They said, you are not too far gone. Mm. And when they said that, It reminded me of Tal's line, and it made me realize that that's the heart of God. Mm. And and maybe you're listening to this, and you're thinking, um, this all sounds fine and nice and believable, maybe, at the very most, believable. But I'm not eligible to be a part of this conversation because of X, Y, and Z. And you lay out the reasons, right? You've done this with your life. You haven't done this with your life. The position you're in, the decisions you've made— and I just want to say over you and to you that you are not too far gone. And those are not my words. I believe that's the heart of God. Um, mm-hmm. And in my experience in the music industry, it's the people that are in a position where they feel they are too far gone that are pretty pretty damn close to being home. Mm-hmm. And when they find home, it, it sinks in and settles in and convicts them in a way that they will follow that truth for the rest of their lives, in a way that most Christians that are raised in the church, um, as, as much as they love God, they, they can't understand the type of love God has for them the way that someone like that can. And yeah. so I just want to speak to that. If you feel like that, if you feel like you're, you're, you're too far away and you're lost— and you're and you're and you're you're disqualified from any conversation having to do with Christianity. I feel like God is saying you are not too far gone. Yeah. That's great. I love that. I was going to say something else, but I feel like that is the perfect way to end this conversation and <laughs> anything I say more will just detract from the gravity of that point because that is ultimately the biggest point, right? It's you know this life is a is a is a life filled with with learning yeah. and growing and and ultimately hopefully getting to know god yeah. getting to know this love and and understanding that like everything we've done like we're redeemed yeah <laughs> and we can accept it or we can deny that's it that's right and it doesn't change the fact that we are that's exactly right, right. that's exactly right man good conversation dude i loved it Good stuff. Thank, yeah. thank you. Thank you for listening to this. Um, if you're a first time listener, um, head over and give us a review um, anywhere that you're listening. It, it does help us get this out there. And um, mm-hmm. our goal is is not to be the biggest podcast, um, but to be around for a while. So it, it helps us stick yeah. around. And uh, that's right. If you're interested in reaching out, there's a lot of ways to do that. Tim, yeah, this is where you talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> check us out. So the best way to get in touch with us is actually by messaging us on Instagram. Uh, I think it's just because I have the uh, the message notifications enabled on my phone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but so reach us, reach out to us on Instagram. If you don't have Instagram, we also have Facebook. Uh, we have uh, Twitter, and you can reach out to us through email, Matt and Tim at theholyghostnotes.com, or fill out the contact form on our website, theholyghostnotes.com. So check that out. We love hearing from you guys. Uh, make sure if you're uh, a drummer and you're posting drum videos, use the hashtag Holy Ghost Notes. Um, we do a Groove of the Week uh, reshare on our on our pages, and um, yeah, we also have merch if you guys are interested. Um, some pretty cool stuff. We're working on some new merch as well. Um, so check out. Uh, I think it's shop.theholyghostnotes.com. The new merch looks awesome. I can't wait that. for that. Yeah, 
I'm, it looks I'm, great. I'm excited. I'm stoked. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good summer wear coming. And for sure, I'm excited for it. <laughs> is, is it weird that I wear my own merch? <laughs> I don't that know. That was always a thing like I struggled with as a band. I never really wore my own band's no, merch because it was like, you can't you know, do check that. out my band. But, but podcasts but you might be podcasts? able to get away with. I, I don't know. It's like, so comfortable. What's... I can't help it. <laughs> my wife and I literally go out in the same hoodie every day. <laughs> and they're like, is this like weird that we like match? Yeah. It's like, nah, it's too comfortable to care. <laughs> right. Who cares? Who cares? Because <laughs> then we're just going to be fighting over who gets to wear the comfortable hoodie. <laughs> That's right. Why don't you wear your other hoodie today? Well, I like this one better. <laughs> but yeah, thank you all for listening. Um, thank you, Matt, for uh, a great episode. 52. 52. In the books. Man. Insane. Let's keep it going, baby. Fun times. 100. We're coming for you. Going. We're coming. We're coming for 100. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. Well, thank you all for listening, uh, and we'll uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. You know what time it is. That's right. That's right. Peace. Peace.